Welcome to this Touch podcast activity, which has been recorded for Touch Infectious Diseases. In this podcast, leading experts in infectious diseases and vaccination from Africa and the Middle East address the issue of vaccine equity in COVID-19 vaccination, including the consequences of vaccine inequity and improving communication with the public. This activity is funded by an independent medical education grant from Moderna Inc. This activity is jointly provided by USF Health and Touch IME. In this second chapter, we hear from Professor Nada Melhem on vaccine equity in COVID-19 vaccination in the Middle East. Hello everyone and welcome. My name is Nada Melhem. Today I'll be answering the following questions. What progress has been made in addressing COVID-19 vaccine equity issues in the Middle East? How can communication with the public in the Middle East about COVID-19 vaccine be improved? And finally, what would be the consequences if vaccine equity is not improved in the Middle East? This part of this video will address the progress that has been made in addressing COVID-19 vaccine equity issues in the Middle East. There is a wide variation in vaccination rates across countries of the Middle East. And when we assess the proportion of population who have received at least one dose of COVID-19 vaccine, it is clear that countries like Syria, Iraq, and Lebanon are still at less than 50% vaccination uptake compared to a range of 68 to 100% in low middle income countries as well as higher income countries. Vaccine equity means that vaccines should be allocated based on needs. This is based on the principle that vaccination is a human right in order to attain a healthy life. Unfortunately, global COVID-19 vaccination rates have been correlated with income status. With vaccination rates in low-income countries reaching only 26%, 59% in lower middle income countries, whereas upper middle income countries are at more than 74%. Uh, Keeping in mind that the income uh, in countries of the Middle East varies widely, this disparity may contribute to vaccine inequity accordingly in the region. Despite the effectiveness of COVID-19 vaccination, vaccination rates appear to be slowing across time and have plateaued across countries of the Middle East. And again, we still have a number of countries that are still at suboptimal levels of vaccination uptake. A number of barriers have been advanced to vaccination efforts in the Middle East. Fear of side effects, the lack of trust in vaccine safety or efficacy, attitudes towards pharmaceutical companies, as well as misinformation about COVID-19, the disease itself, and COVID-19 vaccines. In addition to public perception, unreliable supply of vaccines, as well as unequal vaccine distribution, exert important barriers to vaccination efforts. Importantly, women in the Middle East have been shown to face additional barriers whereby they are less autonomous and they have the greater burden of caregiving at home and thus preventing them from accessing COVID-19 vaccines. Lower socioeconomic status or minority status is also associated with poorer vaccination rates. Healthcare workers are central in the fight against COVID-19, as well as other types of communicable diseases. 
Healthcare workers are trusted figures of the community, and they are considered reliable sources of information, and thus role models for vaccination. Their recommendation can increase vaccine uptake. Their refusal or hesitancy can negatively impact perception. And this is why it is important for healthcare workers to be vaccinated in order to reassure the public. A large multinational studies conducted in the Middle East determined healthcare workers' vaccine acceptance rates. And unfortunately, this ranged between as low as 8.6% to uh, a maximum of 49% in Kuwait. When Arab-speaking healthcare workers participating in the study were asked about the reasons for vaccine hesitancy, they advanced the following reasons. Fear of unknown side effects, insufficient safety testing, lack of trust in healthcare policies, the rushed vaccination production, and then no efficacy values or effectiveness studies against new emerging strains keeping in mind that this study has taken place in January 2021, and those results might have changed with time. In order to promote equitable access to vaccination, COVAX, the vaccine's pillar of the Access to COVID-19 Tools ACT Accelerator, aims to accelerate the development and manufacture of COVID-19 vaccination in order to guarantee a fair and equitable access for every country. The total number of doses allocated to low-income countries, upper-middle-income countries, lower-to-middle-income countries, compared to high-income countries, have been extremely larger. And despite this uh, high allocation of this large number of doses, we still have suboptimal levels of COVID-19 vaccination in low-income countries as well as lower-middle-income countries. Fortunately, a number of countries in the Middle East have been leading in COVID-19 vaccination. The United Arab Emirates, or the UAE, has successfully implemented their vaccination policy with high rates of public uptake. They were able to vaccinate the total population. They were able to administer booster shots to 54% of their population. They ranked second globally for daily vaccine distribution, whereby they were able to distribute six doses per 100 people. And the public showed high satisfaction with COVID-19 strategies. In order to lead COVID-19 vaccination, they used various strategies to spread positive messages and to ensure ease of access to the vaccine. They engaged leaders in order to promote vaccination and to address misinformation. Ministers, for example, got vaccinated early on in order to set an example. The government has also partnered with pharmaceutical companies such as Sinopharm in order to run phase three vaccine trials and to share the data with uh, the nation. They were able to continuously sending positive messaging to reassure the public. They worked with religious leaders to do so. They used social media platforms to share information in multiple languages. And they supported easy access through mobile apps for booking appointments, as well as drive-through and walk-in vaccination centers. Qatar is another country that led a successful campaign with rapid vaccine uptake and rollout. In fact, as of December 2020, and immediately following the release of the emergency use authorization of the messenger RNA-based vaccine, uh, Pfizer-BioNTech, they started administering that vaccine to their population. And by May 2021, they had more than 50% of their population vaccinated. 
between August 2021 and September 2021, they were able to start administering their booster shots. And by August 2022, more than 100% of the population was fully vaccinated. The Ministry of Health in Qatar used combined strategies to implement a broad spectrum of strategies across a diverse population. They supported access to COVID-19 vaccines by contacting the public by phone. They opened drive-through uh, centers. They also used mobile apps to track transmission, to give updates about uh, the disease. Social media campaign were uh, also uh, conducted to answer questions for, from the public and to also target not only the nationals, but also the expatriates to increase awareness. In order to address hesitancy, they also uh, ran uh, TV and radio interviews in multiple languages, and they shared up-to-date information on government websites in order to keep the public updated. In summary, there remains wide variation in vaccination rates across countries of the Middle East. We have multiple barriers leading to this low vaccination uh, rate that we must uh, address. We believe that healthcare workers, a trusted source of information, play a key role in improving vaccine uptake. This concludes this section. Please join us for the next video. We will address in this section how can communication with the public in the Middle East about COVID-19 vaccines be improved. And in order to do so, we have to determine what are the misconceptions about the safety and efficacy of COVID-19 vaccines. A number of Middle East countries have conducted cross-sectional studies in order to identify those misconceptions. And the following was advanced. Vaccination will not protect from getting sick with COVID-19. People may die as a result of negative side effect of the COVID-19. The COVID-19 vaccine is not safe. COVID-19 vaccines can cause autism and COVID-19 vaccines may change our DNA. Fortunately, real-world studies uh, also from different countries of the Middle East demonstrated the vaccine effectiveness in the region. In one of those uh, studies uh, conducted in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, whereby the aim of the study was to determine the effectiveness of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine, as well as the Moderna vaccine, with or without booster shots, in 3,000 individuals in order to determine their ability to reduce the risk of infection as well as severe disease and consequently hospitalization. And in fact, all of these three vaccines showed more than 89% vaccine effectiveness in real world, as well as ability to reduce the risk of hospitalization. Another study was held in the United Arab Emirates also to demonstrate vaccine efficacy in the Middle East. And in this study, uh, the Sinopharm inactivated vaccine and the Pfizer-BioNTech messenger RNA-based vaccine were also uh, compared in terms of uh, reducing the incidence of uh, uh, confirmed cases among vaccinated as well as the risk of hospitalization. And in fact, uh, these results were again confirmed with uh, specific uh, results and data leading to reduced risk of hospitalization for Delta and Omicron variants. Another study from Bahrain uh, determined the impact of using homologous versus heterologous uh, prime boost regimen of vaccination. Uh, 
whereby in the homologist uh, type of regimen, uh, vaccinated individuals had two uh, primary uh, uh, shots of uh, the Sinopharm inactivated vaccine followed by uh, the same vaccine. And then the heterologous uh, regimen included two uh, shots in the primary series of Sinopharm followed by uh, the messenger RNA Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. And in fact, both regimens were well-tolerated and safe, and they both demonstrated uh, immune, robust immune responses. Qatar also uh, conducted uh, a large uh, uh, national uh, study in order to determine the effectiveness also and generate real-world data uh, following vaccination with uh, Pfizer, BioNTech, as well as the Moderna vaccine, both of which are messenger RNA-based vaccines. And both vaccines were able to protect against hospitalization and also against death. Pharmacovigilance data are extremely important in order to address the fear of side effects and this misperception. Uh, a study in Lebanon uh, showed that general body aches, headaches, fatigue, and fever were common side effects that are experienced following the first dose of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. Similar types of uh, side effects were observed following the first dose of the AstraZeneca vaccine. In a recent UN report, special interventions were advanced and were proven to increase vaccine uptake in the Middle East and North African region. And these included peer vaccination, the use of social media in vaccine campaigns, addressing misinformation consistently, tailoring our communication about the risk to specific types of communities, to also work while respecting the social norms and the social customs in order to induce a positive behavior and to continuously have community mobilizers and community engagement in order to increase vaccine uptake in the Middle East and North African region. The same report advanced that women in the Middle East uh, have higher levels of vaccine hesitancy and accordingly uh, lower vaccination rates. And a number of barriers were identified, and these included structural, social, as well as individual. However, the same report lined up specific interventions in order to address these barriers. For example, for limited mobility and time, we have to bring vaccines to places where women frequent mostly. Uh, for the cultural preference for female healthcare workers, for example, we have to promote and provide women-only vaccination sites and platforms. For fear of side effects, we have to share positive stories from trusted messengers and communicators. For lower perceived risk and need for vaccination, we have to continuously highlight the risk of getting COVID-19 and continuously use pro-social messaging in order to advance the benefits to the community. It is important as well to understand the behavioral as well as the social principles in order to send effective vaccine messaging. We should not always assume vaccine hesitancy. We have to build trust. We have to reinform, like we've mentioned before, social customs and social norms. We have to tell stories and happy stories and personal stories. We have to continuously remind people why do we need to vaccinate 
to protect against communicable diseases and COVID-19 as well. We have to anticipate cognitive shortcuts and we have to continuously remind our audience that it is not good to do nothing about uh, uh, the risk of disease. We have to connect with people, values and norms, communicate uh, vaccination as an aspiration and a happy one and a happy event and again, rather than an act. We have to be careful when we address uh, the, the myths and misperception because uh, certain messaging can backfire. So we have to really craft it based on the type of the uh, misinformation that we want to address. Importantly, we have to always recognize and acknowledge uh, vaccine deniers. Similar studies were held as well in Lebanon, whereby at the American University of Beirut, we spearheaded a vaccination drive with the ambitious goal of vaccinating our entire community. And in fact, we were able to vaccinate more than 99% of the community by the end of this vaccination campaign. And we've done that through the use of websites uh, to provide continuous information on where, when, how to receive the vaccine, the use of digital and social media, as well uh, in English and in Arabic through personal communication, through a very friendly booking system that was developed in order to uh, promote access to vaccination sites through email invites and updates, and also through using a catchy branding with a local uh, stating AUB vaccinated. Healthcare workers are central in the fight against COVID-19, and this is why messaging from healthcare workers should be clear and accurate. In addition, it should be evidence-based, context-specific, as well as culturally appropriate. We have to continuously know our target audience and understand their particular social and psychological factors in order to determine the way we address our messages in order to affect and impact the decision to uptake the vaccine. Saying that vaccine is important is not enough, but we have to understand the needs and the motivations as well as the concerns of the communities and address those rather than only saying that we have to get vaccinated. Building trust is extremely important and using messages such as I vaccinated my children and you should too or I vaccinated my loved ones and you should too can be an effective message. Healthcare workers should counter misinformation in order to build demand for vaccination. Misinformation by definition is a false information that is shared by people, including vaccine advocates, who do not realize uh, that it is false and they do not mean any harm by it. And so this is why when we uh, address uh, misinformation, we have to lead by the truth. We have to explicitly explain the warning about the misinformation and, and repeat the misinformation only once. We have to also explain why the misinformation is wrong and address, address the fallacy of uh, the misinformation. We should always and continuously not only lead, but also end by the truth and in order to make it stickier than the misinformation itself and accordingly fill the mental gap generated by the correction of the misinformation. 
Healthcare workers can engage as well with community leaders, specifically the religious leaders, in order to improve vaccine uptake. And the religious leaders are highly trusted by local communities and can often reach uh, marginalized individuals and populations. And their uh, support is extremely important and can complement and reinforce the work of national and global public health organizations. And they can do so by actually sharing the evidence-based information with their communities, by promoting avoiding large group gatherings and conducting faith-related activities virtually, by strengthening the mental health and the well-being and resilience through individual contacts, by ensuring a human rights-based approach to advocacy and to sharing the messages and delivery of these messages with the uh, respective communities, addressing stigma as well as violence that could arise and the incitement of hate is extremely important is extremely important and can be readily reached to marginalized population through uh, uh, religious leaders and importantly religious leaders can support healthcare workers at ensuring that accurate information is shared with their respective communities in order to counteract misinformation Vaccine efficacy and side effect profiles have been demonstrated uh, from real-world uh, studies and data from the Middle East. And effective communication between healthcare workers and the, the public has proven to be needed to improve vaccine uptake and to address misinformation. This concludes this section. Please join us for the next video. In this section, we will discuss what would be the consequences if vaccine equity is not improved in the Middle East. It is important to remember that vaccine inequity leads to global challenges. And these include the ability of the virus, specifically in this case SARS-CoV-2, the causative agent of COVID-19, to continuously mutate. And as a result of its mutation, new variants would emerge. These new variants might lead to peaks, larger ones, and future waves and consequently more infections that would affect low and middle income countries and that would slow the time to reach critical vaccination level as well as herd immunity. This as such would lead to widening the economic gaps between high income countries as well as low uh, income countries, whereby high income countries would be able to uh, uh, recover faster than low income countries. Vaccine inequity uh, means that healthcare systems must continue to focus on managing COVID-19. And this is going to place a strain on these healthcare systems. This would lead to limiting the capacity of healthcare systems to manage other needs. This will expose healthcare workers to infection and would reduce an important vital human resource the strained healthcare systems would be less likely to monitor any other emerging threat. In fact, the COVID-19 pandemic has led to major immunization setbacks between 2019 and 2021, with more than 68 million children not catching up on their vaccination. And approximately 4 million of these are in the Middle Eastern region. This has led to a sharp drop in routine vaccination coverage and consequently a fall in the number of children uh, being uh, up to date in getting vaccinated against 
vaccine-preventable diseases, such as diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis. And in fact, we are observing currently in many countries of the Middle East outbreaks of measles. Reversing the drop in vaccination will be a major challenge requiring substantial investment. High vaccine coverage is extremely vital for economic recovery. And in fact, this was demonstrated with higher vaccination rates that supported labor market recovery in high-income countries, whereas in low-income countries, low vaccine accessibility slowed growth, they were associated with more lockdowns and consequently created further uh, disruptions. And this ongoing gaps in, in vaccination may further widen and increase the economic gap between high and low income countries. Countries with a high rate of vaccination, like we've mentioned previously, are likely to recover faster from the economic shock of the pandemic. And vaccine inequity accordingly will undermine the economic recovery of low and middle income countries. A wide distribution of low and high income countries across the Middle East exists, with 13% being low income of these countries, 19% being lower to middle, and 19% being upper to middle income countries compared to 50% high income countries. Consequently, because of this wide distribution and variation, vaccine inequity will have a greater impact on the economic recovery of these lower income countries. Another important healthcare challenge is the development of COVID-19 variants. In the presence of vaccine inequity, COVID-19 variants would emerge and would lead to important healthcare challenges. These variants can have many mutations that could be associated with immune evasion, uh, specifically escaping the protection of available COVID-19 vaccination. An example of this is the Omicron variant of concern, which is the latest variant of concern. More than 50 mutations are present in this variant of concern that were associated with escaping or immune evasion from most of the neutralizing antibodies that are generated as a result of COVID-19 vaccination. And so we always have to keep in mind the risk of associated with the lack of um, vaccination and with vaccine inequity. These include the risk of infection, the risk of uh, leading to more severe disease and consequently to hospitalization and thus impacting healthcare system and placing additional strain on the healthcare system, more difficult to treat or diagnose disease, the loss of efficacy uh, of available vaccine, and at times increased transmissibility. Within Omicron, and like we have mentioned previously, numerous variants have emerged. Some of these are reported or defined as variants of interest, and others are defined as variants under monitoring. At this stage, and based on the recommendation of the WHO Technical Advisory Group of Virus Evolution, we are not calling these emerging sublineages or variants of the Omicron variant of concern as variant of concern, but rather either, like I've mentioned, variants of interest VOI or variants under monitoring VUM. The variants of interest include uh, uh, known or predicted uh, types of variants to have a growth advantage over other variants or previously existing ones. 
they could also have epidemiological sign of an emerging risk to public health. And we have many of these uh, variants of interest circulating in many countries of the Middle East. Similarly, we have a large number of variants under monitoring that are also circulating in several countries of the Middle East. A variant under monitoring is a variant that has or acquired a genetic change that may affect virus characteristics and may have a growth advantage, but phenotypic or epidemiological impact is still unclear and requires investigation. With the emergence of new sublineages of the Omicron uh, variant, the available current vaccines may not uh, provide sustained protection from infection or transmission of these sublineages. Vaccination should aim to provide long-term protection against severe disease, hospitalization, and death from current and future variants. The primary series or the initial two-dose vaccine series has limited efficacy against COVID-19 variants in addition to the fact that we have waning immune responses uh, uh, following a specific period of time after vaccination. And so this is why we have to promote the uptake of booster shots. Booster doses can increase variant-targeting antibodies. In addition, variant-targeted boosters may offer the greatest protection. It is important to also highlight the fact that studies estimate that any booster shot can provide additional protection against newly emergent uh, or emerging COVID-19 variants. And in order to confirm that booster shots can help protect against new variants, a large matched uh, retrospective cohort study was conducted in Qatar. The aim of the study was to determine the effectiveness of booster versus two-dose primary series. Uh, the study uh, was comparing boosting with uh, Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine versus the Moderna vaccine, both messenger RNA-based vaccines. The primary outcome uh, or endpoint was symptomatic infection, and the secondary endpoint was severity of disease leading to hospitalization or critical disease or death. And in fact, the uh, boosting with Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine led to 49% reduction in risk of symptomatic infection, as well as 77% reduction in risk of severe disease and consequently hospitalization or death. Uh, boosting with Moderna resulted also in 47% reduction in the risk of symptomatic infection. This confirms that booster doses offer protection against variants, even if not variant-targeted. Finally, during this video, we have uh, walked through uh, the different uh, components that uh, are impacting equity issues in the Middle East. We also went uh, over uh, what are the most important and efficient communication strategies that we could use in order to improve uh, the uptake of COVID-19 vaccines in the Middle East. And uh, we also uh, finally uh, advanced the uh, emergence of uh, new uh, sublineages of variants of concern that have and could have detrimental effect on uh, public health policies as well as healthcare system if vaccine inequity is not improved in the Middle East. 
I thank you for joining us in the discussion addressing COVID-19 equity issues in the Middle East and Africa. This completes our series on COVID-19 vaccination in Africa and the Middle East. And for more education, please watch our other videos in this series. We hope it has been useful to you. And thank you. For the first chapter of this podcast with Dr. Aditya Amani, which focuses on Africa, please search for the title, COVID-19 vaccination, what have we learned and what more can we do to address vaccine inequity in Africa, on your chosen podcast platform. Thank you to our faculty and thank you for listening to this Touch podcast. You can access more content on COVID-19 vaccination and related topics at www.touchinfectiousdiseases.com. You can also view a further three activities in this series, a touch panel discussion and two touch-in conversations on touch infectious diseases. Music